Greetings, magnificent souls, to the Lily Bewley podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Bewley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to attract health, build wealth, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 78, I welcome Traver Boehm to the show to talk about his book, Man Uncivilized, and we talk about the man the world is calling for right now. Don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. Also, a request, if you are enjoying the show, please rate and share so we can really get the word out to more and more souls who want to heal and learn more about themselves. Also, one last announcement before we get started. Due to demand and by request, I have opened up a business coaching program. This is for new new coaches, wannabe coaches, or coaches who are stuck and who want to overcome their fear of failure so that they can get clients and quit their soul-sucking job if that's you. You can check all, out all of that info at lilybewley.com. And now on to the show. My guest today, Traver Boehm, has been dubbed the man whisperer <laughs> for his unique ability to speak to men in a way that they can hear and understand. Drawing upon an eclectic background, ranging from professional bodyguarding to mixed martial arts to master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and meditation, Traver counsels men, counsels women and couples on how to better understand men's mental health and relationship difficulty. With a passion for people and a unique lens through which to view the human experience, Traver is highly sought after. He's a teacher in the fields of consciousness, intimacy, and personal development. When not teaching workshops, he radically shifts the way men experience their masculinity. And Traver can be found obsessing over a single word in front of his laptop, chasing surf around the globe, and being awful <laughs> at yoga. And here is my conversation with Traver Bowen. Traver, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I so look forward to having this conversation with you. We were chatting a little bit before we started and um, the stuff that you're doing is really in my awareness and my wheelhouse right now. And I'd love to just dive in and talk sure. about the, um, the book that you wrote that I just, like I said, crushed this weekend, this past weekend called Man Uncivilized. Okay. Um, why this book for you? 
Hmm. I came into this work. Um, my life opened up and changed drastically five or six years ago. And I did a personal journey that got me involved slightly in men's work, but it was just like the, some seeds were planted. And then at the time I was living in New York city, this was 2017, 2018. Uh, and me too had just hit mm. and it was in full force. And I wasn't really that interested in the men's movement. Truly at the time, uh, I know I'm, I'm being circular, but I will answer your question. I had hired a consultant and I had to create this video for his like Facebook page. It was a business consultant. He's like, tell everybody on the Facebook page what you're going to do. And I was like, I'm going to do number one, this, number two, this, number three, this. And if I have any free time and I have the slightest of inkling, I'm going to work with men. That was number four. I was wow. like, meh, not interested. Uh, but what kept happening was I would wake up and read a news story, a blog, an article about men are broken, men are masculinity is toxic, mm -hmm. men are evil, boys are bad, everything masculine, bad, 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 bad. And a lot of that for good reason, because it was usually tagged to Matt Lauer had a button in his office where he could lock interns name any human or any mm -hmm. man of power and those stories were coming out and name any man not of power. And it was just this relentless series of horrible stories. Uh, at the end of each article though, this is what kind of drove me crazy. It was masculinity is toxic. I'm not going to tell you what to do about it. Boys are broken. I'm, mm. there, here's no solution. Men are bad. Here's no solution. And I got really frustrated because I felt like the last two years had actually prepared me to come up with a solution. I was having these conversations with men on the side and having insight and answers to them just randomly, really like this. Again, it was not my training. I was a gym owner and an acupuncturist, yet they would listen to me and go, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Like, cool. Thanks. Uh, so the idea really spawned from me like wanting to shake the shoulders of whoever had written the article and saying, put in a solution. Mm. And then it was one of those moments of like, you know what, fuck it. I'll put the solution out there. And so in a flurry, I think I wrote that book in about six weeks and it was a horrible six weeks. Like I did not eat. I didn't, you know, I peed in a Gatorade bottle. Like I didn't go to the gym. I was a mess at the end of it. But I opened the question, if I were a man in today's society with no training, what would I need so that I could live the life of the man who the world is calling for right now? Mm, that's so good. And then it was like, woof, you know, writing till four in the morning, passing out for two hours, getting up, writing, writing, writing. And at the end I had, I just got chills. Uh, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I had this thing. I had this guidebook. I had this idea. Um, and I felt in my gut that if anybody read this, they would know the answer to that question. Mm. And so I started sharing it just a little bit. And the reaction was overwhelming, uh, all the way down to the woman who designed it, who I didn't design it. I, I am like a stick figure person. And she said, if you take this and put black ink on white paper, men aren't going to read it, but this is the most extraordinary thing I've ever held. So let me design it for you. And I was like, okay, uh, I, yeah, sure. Like, 
and she did, and she turned it into what it was. Um, so I did it because I had, I couldn't not do it. I couldn't not write it. Everything that had led up to the past three years of my life, uh, falling apart, having to put myself back together again, having to answer the question, who am I as a human? And then mm-hmm. the most important question, who am I as a man? All of that, this condensed experience that I'd lived through prepared me to write this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's why I, I just couldn't not do it. It was, it was such a journey. We can, I don't want to dive down too deep into what was it like to live it and write it, but like I went to therapists over it. I was terrified of it. I was like, this is going to fuck up my whole life. This is going to get, people are going to attack me. People are going to hate me. People are going to love me. The whole gamut. Uh, I don't know if I want this. And yeah, yet yeah. there was this driving force. I was like, but I can't not do it. Yeah. Y'all, this is what it feels like when you're on a mission. This is what it feels like when you're in purpose, because I feel that too. And, um, we didn't really chat about this, but like what my purpose is and my, my mission it is scary as fuck. It is so scary. It's like open heart surgery, but it's also something that you feel like you really need to do find that. So anyways, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll share a, a quick story with you. The night before I launched this on social media, this was even pre-book. I just had this idea of what if I took the primal aspects of masculinity, combine them with a heavy dose of consciousness and the divine mm-hmm. aspects of, of masculinity. And uh, I was on the phone with a buddy who I respected immensely. He was an extraordinary business person, brilliant mind, had lived an, an incredible life. And I outlined this whole thing for like 45 minutes. I was like, this is what I think it'll do. This is how I think it'll change men. This is how it shifts culture, yada, yada, yada. And at the end, I was like, what do you think? And he's silent. And of course, I'm like, he hates it. This is the dumbest idea ever. Is he crying? What am I doing? (laughs) Right? Like it's no, he he just literally says, do you have any idea the impact this has or the potential impact this has on the world? Mm. And I went, no, I don't. And so he then spent 10 minutes telling me this is going to change policy. This is going to change law. This is going to change marriages. This is going to change addiction, yada, yada, yada. And this is going to change your life in ways you have no idea. So I hung up the phone and like any good American male, I got in bed. I pulled the covers over my head and I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No fucking way. Leave me alone. I'm going to go back to teaching kettlebell swings and sticking needles in people. And it took me 24 full hours to go, okay, God, divine, whoever you want to throw me down a flight of stairs or elevate me to the, I don't care. I'm in, let's do it. Fuck it. Mm. And I threw the idea out and then my life exploded gorgeous. I also don't think it's any coincidence that last week on the podcast, I had a woman named Jessica Mann. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but Mm. she was one of the women that testified against Harvey Weinstein Mm. and that put him in jail. And I don't know. I just, I I don't think there's much, there's coincidence that these episodes are going to kind of go back to back, but can we talk a little bit about that toxic masculinity piece? Because you really helped me kind of reframe that. Um, as I mentioned, I did, you know, I started this podcast in 2018 talking about codependency with the talk about codependency because comes a lot of talk about narcissism and then there comes, you know, I'm sure toxic masculinity, you know, that opens up that door as well. 
Mm. Can you chat about that and about what, how that is defined to you for you? Um, and about, you know, what, what's the misconception here? What are we missing and how is it, how can we not move past it, but understand it and maybe help heal may on both, maybe the, the men's side and the women's mm-hmm. side, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to, this is a, a nuanced conversation, right? Sure. I have a chapter in the book, the toxic masculinity myth, and that has gotten me more inspired emails. Let's call them than many of the other chapters. And I, I understand the concept. I understand what people mean by toxic masculinity. Uh, I view it very differently. I just view it as the shadow aspect of masculinity or the response to unskillfully expressed pain. That's how I view it in the male form. Unfortunately, what I saw was toxic masculinity just became the boogeyman. It was an easy, convenient label for us to go, oh, someone did something shitty and that person's a dude. Okay, toxic masculinity. There we go. Oh, someone did something that we don't like. Toxic masculinity, if it would happen in a man. And so it became too convenient. Like when I looked at it, I was like, okay, but what's the root of it? What are we not getting to here? What are we not talking about? People have shitty behavior. Men have shitty behavior. Women have shitty behavior. My challenge with the term was I have a master's degree. So I understand the nuance of saying not all masculinity is toxic. Yet we've labeled it in a way that unless you're actually willing to go through the nuance, you're going to think that it is. And so anybody who's under 25, who's hearing this term, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, isn't going to have that nuance and is going to take in energy and negativity that he doesn't need to, and will therefore transform it into bad behavior. So to Mm. me, the use of the term continues the behavior that we don't want. So I see it as problematic. I get it. People don't like to hear that, but people don't also like to hear nuanced answers when they have a simple answer, even if that simple answer is problematic. Now let's take that and put it to the side. I've also said this, which has gotten me some inspired emails. If we get rid of quote, toxic masculinity, who will do our killing and dying for us? Think about that. Mm. Who do we ask to kill in this culture? We ask men primarily. Who do we ask to die for us in this culture? Primarily, we ask men. Mm. So do we really want to get rid of? Do we really, in in our heart of hearts, not want men to do evil things on our behalf, right? Who do we, I remember the, God, it was the American psychology, some, some big organization had their like, this is the definition of toxic masculinity, risk-taking, you know, (laughs) stoicism. Uh, It was one more thing. And I remember that came out and it was this whole white paper that people were spreading all over social media. And then a week later, California caught fire. And and what did we do? We sent hundreds of guys, Mm. risk takers, guys who could put their emotions to the side, stoic guys out into those fires. And no one was like, wait a minute, this looks like toxic masculinity, right? And yet I'm going to be the first one to say that male bad behavior is fucking up the entire country and the entire world. Mm. So I'm not one to forgive bad behavior. I'm not one to excuse bad behavior but I am one who's very interested in the root 
of bad behavior. And one thing we haven't really gotten to culturally yet either is do we want men to feel? Because that underlies what I just said, right? And when did we decide that we wanted men to feel? Culturally, right? Do we want every police officer in a SWAT uniform? Do you want me check? Do you want him checking in with his feelings before he kicks down a door? Do we want soldiers that we're sending to go do unspeakable things in Afghanistan and Iraq and all over the world? Do we want them having their feelings? Mm -hmm. Do we? Do we want men that have to go work on oil rigs with a high percent, high death rate? All the top 10 jobs with the top highest death rate jobs are done by men. Do we really, really want them? Like ask yourself, I know people right now are probably triggered and upset with me. It's okay. Do you want those guys to show up at work and go, I just don't feel it today. You know, I feel sad. I feel frustrated. I just don't think so. I think I'm going to stay home. We really don't. But what we need then, so here's the continuation of this conversation. We need those guys to come off the job, to come out of the war zone, to come out of the fires, and we need to facilitate them being in touch and alchemizing their pain and their trauma, right? We have the, one of my more famous sentences, I looked at, because I did this, Lily, Mm -hmm. I looked at the male landscape and all I saw was an epidemic of unexpressed pain. Yeah. And who is it in? The guys you see, I just got chills again in the newspaper, killing people, abusing people, raping people, doing horrible shit to children, to the culture, to, to the earth, to themselves. Yeah, We're focusing on the branches constantly, but we're not looking at the root. And to me, toxic masculinity was a convenient band-aid to put over the root so we could all sleep at night and not yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. The trickle down for that is it's real. And I was wondering kind of where that was going because I was thinking, like, where is that balance? And I think, you know, like, yeah, you completely hit it on the head for me because I'm also about like that healing, that root of that trauma. And it's also, it's not just for, for women that have been hurt. It's also for men that are out there doing traumatic things. I mean, let's Mm -hmm. be honest, you know, like so much. Yeah. And then the trail down is sometimes to family or sometimes is to like the opposite sex or it's almost always society. I'll be the first one to say, yeah, like we love to hurt women and children when we're, when we're hurt, we love it because Mm. you're not as strong and fast and don't like shoot back as often. So I'm the first advocate of like, Hey, how do we solve the beating raping and killing women and children problem? We help men get rid of their pain. Mm. That's we can, we can make all the laws in the world. I'm sorry. They're not going to help. Yeah. Right. I just so got was just on an interview with a guy in Ireland and said, imagine if we took every man in Ireland and for a year he had to be sober and go to therapy. And he was just like, <laughs> uh, first of all, good luck with that. And I was like, I know this is a little <laughs> fantasy thing that I have, but I'm allowed to fantasize too. <laughs> Did he hang up on you right then too? I'm just kidding. He just sort of stared at me. But that's my thought. Like, um, do we really want to change these problems? Then, huh, this is what mm, we need to address. Totally. We need to address pain. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. So good. Um, I could go down. I'm trying to figure out where we should go because I definitely could go down further on that one. But, you know, let's bring it back up a little bit and talk about the book. Um, okay. You set out some archetypes in like kind of at the beginning about and this, this actually kind of ties in a little bit to what we're talking about here is the Marlboro man. I mm-hmm. can't 
Marvel is hard for me to say the night, the nice guy. And then Mm -hmm. the uncivilized man, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought were like, uh, I can name these men in my life, (laughs) which I'm sure after Traver explains it, y'all will be able to hear it too. I was wondering if you could kind of chat a little bit about that, those archetypes and how they're holding us back, except for that uncivilized part, which is the next generation, which is what we've been touching on right now too. Sure. So this stemmed really from, I was in the search. Who am I as a man, right? I'd lost a pregnancy, a marriage, a business. I'd lost everything other than my health. And at 40 years old, that was a tough proposition. And so I had to answer the question, who am I as a man? Mm. And I looked into society, which directions am I being pulled and pushed? And it felt like two directions. The older way was the 1950s Marlboro man. This was the lone wolf, stoic, no emotion, like literally the Marlboro man, like hat pulled (laughs) down, probably dying of cancer. If y'all don't know who that is, Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, I feel old now. Uh, I think the actual like actors for that each got cancer too, which is a a whole other conversation, but you all, we know this archetype. It is the man who is, who is terrified of any feminine aspect of himself. He doesn't feel emotions. How many women do you know who have dated guys? I know who said like, I don't do emotion. Amazing. Yeah. You're talking about my dad right now. You're talking about my dad. You're talking about our grandparents. You're talking about men for whom there was no allowable space for emotion, right? Mm-hmm. My grandfather was on the beach at Normandy. Can you imagine if they pulled the boat up like a mile offshore and we're like, hey, let's take a poll. How many of you feel like doing this? How many of you are just, okay, you know what? John's sad, Stuart's sad, Stevie's <laughs> Who afraid. is scared shitless? We're going to turn around now. We're going to go hold our hand. Like It didn't happen. So there was no space as we kind of talked about a second ago. So we know men who are isolated, loners, Again, but also I want to add this point, think that anything feminine is weak and anything Mm. weak is the, it's a death sentence. These men would rather be dead than considered weak. Look at suicide numbers and those will back you up. So that was archetype A. Archetype B was the overswing of the pendulum away from that, which was the sensitive new age guy. Which was the guy who a lot of people have probably dated. Which yeah, was I was going to the... say, this also sounds like the dating app that I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's your best friend. It's the guy who's always there for you. The guy who actually is afraid of or hates his own masculinity. It's a guy who's terrified of being a man, a man who's not going to lead, who's not doesn't have a protective or providing mindset. It's a guy who doesn't have purpose. He doesn't have a mission. I just posted an article saying that uh, there's an entire generation now of men. This is the lowest male college enrollment we've ever seen. These guys literally say, I just feel lost. I don't know what to do. They have no chutzpah. They have no drive. This is the, these are the 20 year olds living in their parents' basement, playing video games, smoking dope, jerking off to porn all day. They're not interested in engaging with life. They're, they're sweet. They're sweet as can be but they're far more on the feminine side than they are on the masculine side. And that leads to its own set of problems. That leads to its own set of insidious behaviors that I think are even more dangerous than the Marlboro man. Cause you kind of know where he stands. He's a misogynist. Mm. He's a prick. 
He's an mm-hmm. asshole, but you know it. You know it within two minutes of meeting him. The sensitive new age guy, he wants to help you move. He wants to help you make dinner. He wants to listen to you talk about your boyfriend who's not very nice, but he really wants to fuck you. Mm-hmm. He's just not going to tell you, right? Go check out his internet history and you'll see who he really is. So we had these two archetypes. This is when I, when I was looking and the Me Too movement, unfortunately, was swinging more and more men away from, I'm uh, not more and more away from, but more into the sensitive new age guy. But they were throwing the baby, the masculine baby out with the yeah. toxic masculinity bathwater. Yeah. So now anything about this guy that's male is viewed as bad. But this is a real problem for a guy in a male body. Right. This is a real Fear. body problem for a, a male, a man in a male culture. This is a guy who doesn't have guy friends because guys are bad. Right. But trust me that he has some behaviors that are super toxic. So those were the two. It was like, which way do you want to go? You want to become a stoic Navy SEAL or do you want to become like a vegan feminist poet yogi? Like that kind of felt like the two options and no offense to either of those groups. Right. But the mass of men want to be somewhere in the middle and the mass of men are healthiest somewhere in the middle. Like taking a bit of the traditional of like, hey, you got to do some shit with your life. You need to have a purpose. You need to have a mission. By the way, you're in a body that's bigger, stronger, and faster than say 60% of the planets. So you have to be responsible for that. You have to know the drives and the urges of it. Now let's go over to this side. You also have to know about your emotions that they're necessary to create this thing called relationship, Mm -hmm. this thing called intimacy, which is probably terrifying to you, which is why you pretend to be someone who you're not most of the time. You have to learn how to deal with your pain. You have to acknowledge that you have it. You have to be friends with and in community with other men. Because without it, you will become the very thing that you're railing against, a toxic human. That makes sense. I feel like I just ranted. Please rant. And yes, that made sense. (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, you know, for those out, out there that may be feeling a little bit triggered, I think part of the purpose of having, which is great, let's dive into that, shall we? But the part of the, the purpose I feel like of having an archetype is to figuring out like, like this one extreme case doesn't have to be you. Um, what I've learned through my journey of healing and with like, you know, um, you know, a bunch of other growth as well is that figuring out that balance for me and defining that for me is what's important. So if, you know, I just kind of want to say that too, and I'm sure that you, you would support that and agree is that, is that I think part of the the reason that we're pointing out these archetypes is like the uncivilized man, isn't just like this, this place that you have to fit into. There's, there's not like a space it's allowing one of my favorite things right now when, you know, like I said, you know, and I share pretty vulnerably here in this space is that, um, I am actively dating. And one of my favorite things is just stepping back as a woman and being confident in myself and allowing that person on the other end, that man to lead. Mm-hmm. And if he's not leading, then, you know, like I said, I do meet a lot of nice guys and I'm sure women, I know that you hear me on this is that, you know, it, but I'm, a, I think part of 
being able to do that is healing myself. And then also, you know, what you're talking about, Traver, on the, the masculine side of things is healing as well as being able to feel, being able to be in purpose, to be in mission, to be in, you know, in whatever it is. And that means for you, does that kind of gel with what you're saying too? A thousand percent. What I'm asking guys to do is, and, and people to do is look at the default archetypes that you may have fallen into and then consciously choose where you want to be. Most men have had no conscious choice or conscious like introspection into why am I the way I am? Most nice guys grew up around toxic men. Dad was toxic, uncle right. was toxic. And yep. they would say to themselves, literally, I know because I've talked to thousands of them. I wanted to be everything my dad wasn't. I wanted to be everything that my uncle wasn't. My older brother wasn't. The guys on my street weren't. They've, this is a traumatized human. Mm -hmm. And that man hasn't worked through his trauma. Instead, he's avoided it by going hard in the other direction. Now, the, the Marlboro man is equally as traumatized. He just decided instead of feeling everything to feel nothing. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea, like my idea of what is an uncivilized man is massively wide. There's so much variance in it, right? And I have gay men, straight men. I have every kind of man. I have very expressive men. I have poets. I've got musicians. I've got hardcore ex-military guys, hardcore military guys. I've got the whole gamut. But they understand that they are where they are because they've consciously chosen to be there. And they're continuously doing the work of, I just got triggered. Why did I just get triggered? I, I haven't looked, worked through my trauma. Okay. Like the very first thing I tell every dude is you got to go to therapy. I don't care who you are. I don't give a shit. Like maybe like Jesus and the Buddha and Dalai Lama didn't need therapy. If you're not one of those three, every other dude needs therapy. But bro, like I wasn't abused. My dad wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't, doesn't matter. You got to go to therapy. We literally are seeing traumatized men all through society, creating challenges on the family level, on the personal level, on the societal level, and on the worldly level, yeah. right? Look at our last president. I'm sorry, who you, I don't care who you voted for. That's a traumatized human, mm. right? Look at our current president. I don't care if you voted for him because he was the lesser of two evils. He's a traumatized human. Mm -hmm. He's a traumatized man. And so the essence of this is conscious choice, work through your shit. Everything mm -hmm. else is window dressing and branding. Yeah. Oh, so good. I can literally talk about this for hours. Um, so where like this uncivilized, I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed uncivilized man because of, of the kind of the, the space that I'm in right now, um, mm -hmm. leading towards teaching feminine masculine dynamics. And I know you do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, is this book just for men? or is it for women or what would you say to, and also something I thought that was really interesting too, is that you mentioned explicitly in your book that women would hate you for writing this book. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that and about sure. kind of, you know, who this is for? Um, sure. My assumption is, you know, I know a lot of women listen to this podcast, but my assumption is that these women have men in their lives already. Mm -hmm. And how does that fit into what we were talking about today? It's a lot of questions. It's okay. Let me try to sort through them. 
Uh, I originally wrote the book for men. Mm-hmm. I think the first three lines or something in there are like, this is a book written by a man for mm-hmm. a man, because this is an unfortunate or an uncomfortable truth. Men need to learn how to be men from other men, period. I'm sorry. Women can teach us all kinds of other things, but no one can teach us how to be what they aren't. So step one, I wrote it for men, but then it was immediately bought by phenomenally more women than it was men. And women shared it phenomenally more than men did. I said for the first year it was for sale. I think it was like 78% of the books were bought by women. Anybody who bought more than one, that was, I had women buying 10, 20 copies of it and handing it out to the men in their lives. So while I wrote it for men, it, it became what it became. Have I gotten hate for writing the book? Of course. Challenge the current narrative, you're going to get hate. I've been called everything under the sun. At this point, I don't give a shit. I believed more in the message of the book and the mission of the book than what some triggered person thought about me for writing it and thought about the message, right? I had a lot of women upset with me in the beginning simply for writing a book about men, period. Like that was it, period. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you spend your time and energy writing something for women? Like that was it. But that, again, if we go back to what was the real, what is the cultural challenge? Do we want to address the root or do we want to address the branches? Mm. The root is a challenge around masculinity and a challenge with men. So I addressed that head on. And so, yeah, I've got a folder full of all kinds of lovely messages. The people who don't know me and people who did, you know, read the book and hated it or hated me. And that's okay. Because I've got a 5,000 time bigger folder full of this book saved my marriage. This book saved my husband. Mm. I'm a woman and I, I read it. And this book shifted my view of men. I'm dating. I've had women say, I've, I've got screenshots of dating profiles. If you haven't read this book, please swipe left. Yes. It. Like it's in there. <laughs> so I, I knew I hit something culturally. But Lily, you got to know if you challenge the culture, there are going to be people who are upset. There are, are women who have been traumatized by men. All, probably all of you or like there's, mm-hmm. there's most women have been traumatized by men. True. So then to speak directly to men and say, Hey, part of this is you need to be stronger. You need to be dangerous without being a danger. You need to go fuck some shit up in the world. You have to learn about your sexuality. You, it's just all of these things. I, I see how they would trigger women. And yet I had to address the core of the issue, which was men. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your questions? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Basically, I feel like the moral of the story is everyone work on your own shit. (laughs) Basically, men and women. (laughs) A thousand percent. And we, as again, as a culture, we're just opening the space now to acknowledge that male pain is a thing. It's really hard, Lily. And I understand this theoretically, but I've never experienced it. So it's hard for me to embodiedly understand it. To make space for the pain of the perpetrator is infinitely hard if you have been perpetrated. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing but compassion for that sentence. Yet we can, we can say men are bad, boys are bad. We can punish little boys for wrestling. We can kick them out of school for making finger pistols, right? We can say that you need 
a cons- consent at every single step of a sexual encounter verbal. Can I kiss you? Yes. Can I kiss your neck? Yes. Can I unbutton your shirt? Yes. Can I touch your breast? Yes. We can say all that. And is it really going to get us to where we want to go? Is this really what women want? I don't believe so from the women I've, he- I've heard from, except for the ones just calling me an asshole. But is this what we want culturally? One of the largest groups reaching out to me of women is women raising sons hmm. saying, I don't know what to do. He, this is the culture I'm putting my son out into the world in is chaos. It's mayhem. Mm-hmm. Half of the people hate him just for being who he is. He hates himself for being who he is yet. Like I want this kid to be alive at 18. Like, what do I do? Or it's women such as, you know, such as yourself saying, I actually appreciate a man leading in my relationship. I do not want to be dominated. I do not want to be lowered. I do not want to have someone have power over me. I want to be respected. I want to be desired. I want to be cherished. I want all the things that have this organ I'm tapping on my heart Mm -hmm. incorporated. We don't need to get rid of masculinity. It just, it didn't have its heart in it. Men have no feeling. Men weren't in touch with their hearts. I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. There's such a difference between leadership and tyranny. Mm. One has heart in it. The other doesn't. Right. And that's like, I kind of put my hands up, like, did you guys not get this? It's not a masculinity issue. It's a heart issue. Mm. So we can tell boys that all men are bad and masculinity is toxic, even though we don't really mean that, but that's what the words kind of sound like. We can say all, all men are awful, whatever. And we're going to be right back here three years later, having the same argument. Yet I can tell you how many thousands of men I've worked with, have read the book, I've trained. Mm-hmm. And then the testimonial from, my God, I don't yell at my kids anymore. Mm. I quit drinking. I actually went to therapy. I'm, I'm taking my wife to a, a partnership workshop. Like I'm meditating. I got back in shape, right? We started eating better. I really went for this thing that I wanted to do that not doing it was, was making me stuck. I had a phone call with my own father. I got back in relationship with him. I realized that, you know what? You were right. The things that happened to me as a kid, they were still fucking me up. They really were. Mm-hmm. And, and Lily, there are so many, I don't even know, know the right word. I'll just say five years ago when I started doing workshops, if we asked men who in here has been sexually assaulted as a kid, no one would raise their hand. Three years ago, two guys would raise their hands, or maybe they'd come talk to me after the workshop and be like, you know what? I didn't want to raise my hand, but it happened to me a year ago. I may get 30% of the workshop raising their hand. Now it is so widespread. It is so untalked about. It is this, like I I've said, it's going to, I just got chills again. It's going to be like smoking is now 20 years ago. We're like, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't happen to anybody. There's so much trauma that happens to little boys who then what? Grow into big, strong, angry, drunk men. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're like, wait, boys don't care. I get traumatized or like, whatever. It's they're, they're tough enough, rub some dirt in it, you know, go play football. So like that idea too, hasn't fully worked its way into the culture. And so I tell women, this guy, this, this fuck boy who won't date you or won't commit to a relationship, I've had him in a workshop. 
he watched his mom's three last boyfriends when he was a kid kick the shit out of her and then kick the shit out of him. So I'm sorry. He's, he's got some commitment issues, but is your first thought, wow, I wonder how many times he's been traumatized. Or is your first thought like, what an asshole, toxic masculinity, hookup culture, fuck men, off we go. Yeah. Or the other way around is, is like from the kind of codependent side of things is taking that as yours. I'll fix them. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can right? love him through this. I just have to change yeah. everything about me all the time. Yeah. Right? Or pity yeah. or, um, yeah, totally. Oh, I love this. So good. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, good. My pleasure. Um, so closing up maybe 10 minutes or so left. Um, and I wanted to talk about the uncivilized woman. We've talked a lot about the uncivilized man. Maybe you have touched on this, maybe not so explicitly, but maybe implicitly. Um, who is the uncivilized woman? Mm. I get asked this a lot and I've been asked to actually write another book for women, but I've never been a woman. And so I don't know much about what it's like to live in your body. Mm. But I used to joke that in acupuncture school, I spent three semesters studying the menstrual cycle. And so I would have patients and I'd be like, so when's your period? Are you in the luteal phase? And then and, and women would be like, I don't know. And, and I'd say, I know more about the menstrual cycle <laughs> than you do Yes. until you ask me what it's like to have a period. And then I'm like, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I literally, I have 0.00 idea. So all I can say about the uncivilized woman is the first two ethos points I have for men are be unapologetically male. Don't apologize for being a man. That won't help. If I thought it would help, I'd, I'd, I'd advocate for it. So for women, it'd be unapologetically female, be unapologetically everything that comes with being a woman, all of the magic and the mystery and the wonder that we have shut down and suppressed as a culture, own that. That's you and every lineage behind you. Second ethos point for men is be your brother's keeper. For women, be your sister's keeper. Support each other. Stop tearing each other down behind the scenes. If we were to say toxic masculinity is a thing, which I don't think it is, then toxic masculine, toxic femininity mm -hmm. is the ruining of a female's reputation behind her back. Stop that shit. And three, look at all the ways your pain and your past trauma is still dictating your current behavior stopping you from doing the things that you're doing that you want to do stopping you from being who you want to be but mostly it's just about being unapologetic mm. about being who you are you have weird freaky desires own them mm -hmm. beautiful that's fucking amazing about you you want to be a painter and you don't want to be a lawyer go be a painter be unapologetic about it stop trying to fit yourself into the civilized box or the box that says, oh, you can't break those rules. And trust me, you, I get it. I have two older sisters. The rule book for women, one, it's like, it's infinite and it changes every day. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, like, <laughs> that's what we've done with women. Oh, what was that? Is that like long hair on your head? Ooh, that was so three weeks ago. Wow, was that short hair on your Wow, how did, wow. Oh my God, I can't believe she's one of them. Like we change it up on you constantly. Mm -mm. So the only, only thing to do in the face of constant ever-changing rules is just to follow your own. 
and follow your own heart and be who you are in the world without apology. That's mm. to me. It's as far as I, I can't speak to anything else. Yeah. I love that. And I would add to that is like, for me, this comes directly from my experience and then my work with clients too, is that if you don't know who you are, if you like, you find it hard to find out who you are is, is do the work or bring practitioners in, like you're talking about therapy or coaching or whatever to help you unlayer, to find that. Um, because I was in a different, um, although like I've done some really great things and my resume is banging and I've like done things, you know, it was, I really don't think it was me for a long time. And, um, yeah, I think I would just add that from my experience too. Yeah. My whole gig is about full expression, mm-hmm. period. Like be who you are in the world, be who you are in your relationship, be who you are in the bedroom, be who you are when you're, when you're writing, when you're creating, when you're being a mother, when you're being a partner, be, be just be who you are, express yourself fully. And I get that I have the benefit of living in a body that celebrates that more than other bodies do, but how do we create that change? Mm-hmm. We do it by just, and it doesn't have to be a New York Times bestseller. You don't have to do this on Oprah. You do it in your own world. You do it in your own circle. You do it in your own room. Like that's- yeah, Or like, with your kids. Like with your what's, kids, what's the legacy right? you're leaving? Yeah. Thousand percent. That's yeah. who the uncivilized woman is to me. Oh, that's so gorgeous. I just, oh, I love this conversation so much. Uh, <laughs> um, so closing up a little bit, what are you working on right now? You have, are you writing right now? I know like you're doing a lot from what I can see workshops and retreats yeah. and things like that. What's uh? yeah, I am that it, that is it. Right. So I've taken this idea and turned it into a movement. And so now mm. I'm creating live groups all over the world where men can come and sit in circle with other men and hear about problems, hear about challenges, hear about solutions, a place they can sit without judgment, right? Yeah. My like shoot the moon goal is to get everyone in Ireland to go to therapy for a year and be sober. But like, that's, that's the 20 year plan. Uh, And I I am writing. Uh, I got asked so many times about said like, will you write this book for women? I said, I I, I can't, but I, I took the ethos, the 12 point ethos, 13 point ethos I have for men and I made it co-ed and I've turned it into uh, an ethos around consciousness, mm. around evolving and expanding your, your sphere of understanding, your fear of expression, or, or sorry, your sphere of expression. And so that I'm not sure when it's out because the business keeps pulling me back into being a business person, um, but it should be out by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. I, look, I so look forward to that too. Thank you. So uh, we're... Um... I, first of all, I just want to thank you for your time today. It's been amazing. And, um, this has been, this is really high up on my list of things that I feel like is opening, like you're saying, and the awakening and consciousness and, you know, whether I feel like whether you're a man or a woman listening to this, hopefully you, um, kind of threw out some nuggets and figure out what, what that means to you. And, um, what's the next thing you're going to explore about your evolution and your trauma and being like, you're saying unapologetic. I love that. Um, where can people find you Trevor to follow what you're doing and, um, make sure that they're on top of when your next book comes out too. Beautiful. So I spend most of my time publicly on Instagram at Traver Bohm. That's T R A V E R B O E H M. 
Uh, or if you go to manuncivilized.com, it's where I have courses, it's where I have workshops for, especially for men or women who want to guide men to a place where they can do this. Uh, hit that site. I have a membership group called the Uncivilized Nation, which is this amazing group of men mm-hmm. who I get to bring teachers and guides into on every subject. Like last Saturday, we had Stephen Jenkinson, and if you know him, mm-hmm. and we literally had a hundred men talking, listening to a teacher talk about death and grief. Like, mm-hmm. how do we deal wow. with grief, right? A hundred men, right? And then that's what, oof, I got chills again. That's why I'm okay when people are like, you're an egotistical asshole. You're, you are the definition of toxic masculinity. And I'm like, well, well, last Saturday I had a teacher come in and talk about death and grief. So enjoy your fucking day. Uh, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. So those are the two places where I, I spend most of my time. I have a podcast, the Uncivilized Podcast, which is a, sort of the same. I just try to bring people in who I find interesting, mm-hmm. people who are doing different things in the world and helping us see through the clutter and the distraction and the drama to what is actually, I just wanted people who talk about the root. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, it's so good. Well, thank you so much for your work and um, your time here together. And um, yeah, I love it. I can't wait for the next thing to come out for sure. Thank you. Appreciate you. My pleasure.